Romans 5, verses 1 to 11. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also rejoice in our sufferings, because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance character, and character hope. And hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, who has been given to us. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since we have been justified now by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? For if, while we were God's enemies, God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved, saved through his life? Not only is this so, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. Amen. Tim. Good morning, everyone. Can you hear me loud and clearly? Good, great. <clears throat> it's so good to see you all this morning. And for those of you that I don't know, I am the other Tim in the church team here. Um, I've been here for about 10 years supporting the ministry, and it's, it's great to be able to share with you today. Um, and so I'd like to think uh, today a bit about how we can become a person of hope. This Christmas season, we've been celebrating the angel's declaration, haven't we? As Tim said earlier in Luke 2, I bring you good news of great joy, which is for all people. And I'd like this morning to take this one step further and think about the implication of this news for each of us, to think about the therefore or the so what. Okay, so what about this? And two weeks ago, Tim preached that catchy title that I think most of us have remembered, The Gap is the Gift. Who remembers that talk? Who's listened to it back online? It was a very good one, yes. Um, and so my hope today is that actually that this talk is a bit of a continuation or a sequel. However, I'm afraid my, my title isn't quite as catchy as Tim's is. In Tim's talk, he explained that we can quite often experience a gap between God's nature and our understanding of God and our experience of seeing those things happen. And how the gap between those things, those two things, is a gift because it causes us to wait on God, to rely on Him and have hope. It's in those times of waiting that God can shape us and mature us to be the people He wants us to be. And it was a brilliant talk. So I'd encourage you, if you haven't listened to it, to go and listen back. So we know that hope is gonna be really important as we stand in that gap between seeing God's kingdom, which is the manifestation of his nature, established in our lives on earth as in heaven. And so today from our passage in Romans 5, I'd like us to think about how we can become people of hope. And folks, this really could be a six-month preaching series. It really could. And so I acknowledge there will be ideas today that, um, that we won't touch on. And so to stay on track, I'll stay quite close to the text, okay? So to start with, it would be important to affirm in our minds what we mean by a person of hope. 
Now, ordinarily, when we use the word hope, we use it in one of three different ways. The first is a desire for something good in the future. For example, I might say, I hope Kirsty gets back soon from the takeaway shop so I can eat all the yummy food. My hope is in Kirsty getting back quickly so that we can eat the yummy food. The second is when the good thing is the, des um, sorry, the good thing we desire is the object of our hope. And I might say, I hope Kirsty arrives back safely. Kirsty's safe arrival is the object of my hope. And the third is when our hope is in fact the basis for thinking that the thing we desire may come to pass. I might say, a clear run is the, our only hope of Kirsty arriving back in time. In other words, a traffic-free journey is in fact the reason that we may achieve the future good that we desire. It's our only hope. It's our only hope. All three of these uses are found in Scripture, but the most important feature of biblical hope is not present in any of these ordinary uses of the word hope. In fact, the distinctive meaning of hope in Scripture is almost the opposite of our ordinary use. I don't mean that in Scripture, hope is a desire for something bad instead of something good. And I don't mean that in Scripture, hope is the rejection of good instead of a desire for it. It's not the opposite in those senses. It's the op opposite in the sense that ordinarily, when we use the word hope, we express uncertainty rather than certainty. The text in our passage starts today with a therefore. And when this happens, it's important to turn back to understand what we're thereforing from, okay? In our case today, chapter four of Romans, Paul is explaining to the Roman church how Abraham was justified or declared righteous by God through his faith. And how Jesus brought forth the fulfillment of God's promise that Abraham would be the father of many nations. It says in verse 20 of chapter four, yeah, he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had the power to do what he had promised. This would reveal to us that biblical hope is, is being unwavering or fully persuaded that God is who he says he is and that he will keep his promises. Biblical hope not only desires something good for the future, it expects it to happen, and it not only expects it to happen, it is confident that it will happen. There is a certainty that the good we expect and desire will be done. This, this is the distinctive meaning of biblical hope. A person of hope is someone who believes God is who he says he is, someone who desires to see the goodness of God in their lives, but not only desires it, expects it to happen because they know that God is faithful to his promises. They are able to stand firm on God's word, fully assured that he will do the things that he said he will do. So hopefully we have a grasp of what it means to be a person of hope. And therefore, let's have a little look at Romans 5 and see how it suggests we can stand in that gap that Tim talked about and nurture hope. Let's read the first couple of verses in the passage. The words will come on the screen or you have got those Bibles as well in front of you. It says, therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace which we now stand. And you see there's a little A, is it on the screen yet? Yeah. Okay, see up here, we've got that little A, okay, by the word we. That means, in my Bible at least, which 
is quite old now, as we discovered this week. Uh, that means there's a footnote or there's a reference, something that we need to, to have a little look at. And in my Bible, it says, or let us. So today, when we read the word we, I want us to read, instead read lettuce. So let's, let's read it again, okay? Therefore, since we've been justified through faith, let us have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace which we now stand. So the first way that we can become a person of hope is to let us receive hope through faith. We've been justified through faith, we have peace with God, and now we stand in grace. When we say yes to God and choose to believe God sent his only son to be our rescuer, we are changed. Our position and inheritance is changed. And not only do we stand in the place of grace, but we are called children of God. And this is what Christmas is all about. Hope can be ours when we say yes to, accept, to choose to accept the gift that God has given us. At our carol service last week, Paul, who led worship this morning, he, uh, he did a reading from 1 John, sorry, John 1, and uh, it, it goes like this. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, nor of husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father full of grace and truth. When we receive Jesus, we are born again as children of God. And I'd like you to remember one thing from this passage for a bit later on, that we have seen God's glory in Jesus. Okay, Jesus is God's glory. And we don't even have to look too far away from Romans 5. In fact, we don't have to look away from Romans 5 at all to understand this gift. In verse 6, it says, You see, just at the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. When we were powerless, or you could say when we had no hope, just at the right time, Christ came. And as a baby... He came as a baby and 30 years later, he took the sin of the world upon himself and he died with it on the cross so that our sin could die with him and be overcome. Our slate could be washed clean. And for those who receive him, just like Abraham, could be justified or made righteous in the sight of God. And in doing so, we are lifted from a place of powerless, hopelessness and despair and we are placed to stand in grace. So firstly, we receive hope by accepting that Jesus is the Son of God who died for me. And if you're here today, watching online, or what maybe you're watching back, and you don't know if you have received Jesus, you can do that by opening your heart to him and praying a very simple, thank you, sorry, please prayer. And also, we're encouraged to make a public declaration of our faith through baptism in water. And so likewise, if you're here today and you're not sure if you've ever been baptised or you can't remember being baptised, Tim or I would love to talk to you about making that public declaration here among your family and friends. So let's go back to the passage now at the end of verse two. It continues. 
And let us rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. So our second way of becoming a person hope is to let us rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Another translation of this passage is let us boast in or glory in the glory of God. Our outlook in life can be so easily affected by the things that we give time and attention to. So to become a person of hope, we need to posture our hearts towards it. I'd like us to take another little look back at one of our Christmas readings in Luke chapter two. We have two expressions here of rejoicing in the hope of, glory of, of the glory of God. First, we have the angels, okay? And they are loud and proud saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to those in whom his favor rests. I've read that slightly wrong, but you get the gist. And then we have Mary. After all that she'd been through, Angels appearing here, there, and everywhere. Shepherds, wise men, and the like. Not to mention giving birth in a stable among the animals. What does she say? What does it say she did? It says, but Mary treasured up all these things in her heart and pondered them in her heart. Again, it's on the screen. I read it wrong. <laughs> she took that good news. She treasured it and pondered it in her heart. And similarly, I think the way, one way that we can rejoice in the hope of the glory of God it, is that we can be loud and proud. You know, we can declare it from the rooftops to fellow believers, to friends, a bit like the angels. But I think also, and really importantly, we can take the hope, the good news that we believe in, and we can ponder it in our hearts. We can dwell on it. At the beginning, we looked at what it might mean to be a person of hope. But it is important for us as Christians to understand what it is, in fact, we're hoping in, okay, so that we can rejoice in it, right? We need to understand what we can hope, what we hope in, so that we can rejoice in it. And so to help us understand that, we're going to look very quickly at Revelation 21. Okay, so 21 from verse 3, it says, And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. He who is seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down for these words are trustworthy and true. For those who receive Jesus, as they can hope and rejoice in the fact that there is a day coming when the world as we know it will come to an end. And that those who have been justified by God will dwell with him in a new heaven. He will wipe every tear from our eyes and there will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. And until that time, we live in the reality that God came in the person of Jesus to dwell with us to make us clean by taking that sin on himself and dying with it, in doing so, he made us clean, that even now we can have God's Holy Spirit in each of us, for those who believe. Do you remember earlier, I asked you to remember one thing in John 1. I asked you to remember that we have seen God's glory in Jesus, i.e. Jesus is God's glory. So to rejoice in the hope of the glory of God is to rejoice in the hope of Jesus. 
And a bit like I suggested earlier, that a clear run was the only hope of Kirsty getting back on time with my takeaway. Well, in this case, and similarly, and if there's one thing that you take away from today, let it be this, that Jesus is the only hope we have of being reconciled with God in eternity. Hoping in anyone else or anything else but Jesus is futile. And it's when we allow anything else to sit on the throne in our hearts where Jesus belongs that it causes us to hope in those things. And that's called sin, isn't it? And just a chapter later in Romans 6, it says the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. We're saved by grace through faith, and Jesus is our only hope. Like before, we don't have to go too far away from the passage, Romans 5, which actually addresses this, this subject. So why don't we have a quick look at verse nine. It says, since we have been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? For if, while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? What the passage is saying is, since our relationship with God has been restored through Jesus' death on the cross, when Jesus comes again and makes all things new, we will be saved. We have been saved by Jesus once, and he is faithful to his word, and we will be saved again when he comes back. So to become a person of hope, we need to rejoice or glory in the hope that we have Treasure it in your heart. Meditate on it. Tell a friend. Tell a neighbor. The more we take this hope to heart, the more it will begin to be our expression and our experience in life. Okay, so number one, let us receive hope through faith. Number two, let us rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. And number three, let's look at verses three and four together. It says, not only so, but let us also rejoice in our sufferings, because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance character, and character hope. So point three today is to let us also rejoice in our sufferings. I don't know why today I keep doing this thing with my hand, like I'm conducting a choir or something. Maybe I'm just conducting myself. <laughs> Let us also rejoice in our sufferings. We will all hit points in our lives where we feel completely powerless. As I look around the room, I, I can see people that I know what I'm talking about, okay? Powerless and hopeless. Place, places where our hearts are full of pain and sorrow and worry. And we know that there is nothing we can do of ourselves to rectify the problem. It's in moments of suffering like this that perseverance forms. When we come to the end of ourselves and we realize that all we can do each day is to get up, ask God to sustain us, and to trust him. And it's as we do this, pondering that hope in our heart, that we mature in faith. Hope more and more, as we do that, hope more and more becomes our experience and our expression of life. This is a picture of my son. At, um, I promised myself I wouldn't cry at this bit. This is a picture of my son at three days old, uh, weighing just over three pounds. And for those of you that work in new money, that's 1.3 kilograms, okay? 
Um, and you can just see my hand on top of him there. Uh, in August 2019, the day after Kirsty and I moved into our new home where we live now, Kirsty's waters broke at just 28 weeks gestation. We were taken into St. Michael's Maternity Hospital and Kirsty was hooked up to an ECG monitor where we spent the next 14 hours overnight listening to the baby's heartbeat to make sure that it was okay, that it was still alive. Informed by the midwives that we should try and get some rest, I can vividly remember lying on the hard floor, concrete floor, you know, uh, of the central delivery suite, nodding off to the sound of Isaac's heartbeat. Oh, I've just of the baby's heartbeat, I'm gonna tell you about Isaac later, of the baby's heartbeat, and quickly awakening when I realized, when we realized the heartbeat had gone, just wondering if maybe we had lost the baby. In my life so far, this really was the darkest hour of my soul. As I grappled for control, as I grappled for certainty in a situation where I was powerless and helpless. And it was in the dark of that delivery suite that I realized that the only thing that I had control of was whether I was gonna trust God or not. And as I sat on the chair next to Kirsty's bed, I remember arriving at a point of surrender, praying to God. I said, if it's your will, God, to take this child, then, Lord, I trust you. But if it's not, Lord, have mercy on us and carry us through this next season. Kirsty was given steroids to help strengthen the baby and was in hospital for 10 days before being released on bed rest. Then on the 2nd of September, at just 30 weeks gestation, Kirsty went into premature labor and gave birth that evening in a room filled with 15 different doctors and specialists, specialists that whisked the baby off to be cared for. We were then transferred to the neonatal, Bath Neonatal Intensive Care Unit, where we spent the next six and a bit weeks each day waking up, driving to Bath, sitting by the incubator, doing what we could, and then leaving him there, going home again, and doing it all again tomorrow. For a significant chunk of time in that NICU, all we could do was wake up, trust God, and go. We were covered in prayer by our family and our friends, and we were released home on the 16th of October when the baby was just four pounds and 10 ounces. And it was funny, by that point, we actually thought he was huge, okay? And we went out in public and it was like, wow, look how small this baby is. <clears throat> we called the baby Isaac, in part because we like the name Isaac, but also because it means something. Most of you will know the story of Abraham being asked by God to sacrifice his only son Isaac and how in spite of not understanding, Abraham trusted God. And just at the last minute, an angel appeared and told Abraham to sacrifice the ram instead of his son. We called Isaac Isaac as a testimony of God's goodness and his mercy to us. Going through that experience has changed my life forever. There have been some difficult things that have come from it that I'm still working through. But also God did use that situation to shape and mature me into the person that I am today. And Isaac, as all of you, most of you will know, is doing just fine. It's as we navigate through this gap that Tim talked about on the 3rd of December between God's nature and seeing that materialize that we will come up against pain and suffering. It's not a question of if, it's a question of when. But being a follower of Jesus does not exempt you 
from that suffering. However, God has made a promise. His promise is to be with us through it all. Isaiah 43 says this, you'll know it well. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. When you pass through the rivers, you will, it will, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. That's why we can rejoice in our suffering. Because we know that A, God is with us through it all. And that B, he uses the hardest moments of our lives to make us stronger, more resilient, and more trusting in him. Even Jesus did this whilst nailed to the cross. The writer of Hebrews sums this up beautifully in chapter 12. He says, let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For the joy set before him, he knew hope. He was, Jesus on the cross was able to rejoice in his sufferings because he knew the joy that awaited him as he was to be reconciled with the Father. To conclude today, let's have a little look at Romans chapter five, verse five. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. What this means is that hoping in Jesus is not futile and it will not disappoint us because God's love lives inside each of us who believe through the Holy Spirit. And you might say, well, that all sounds lovely, but isn't that a bit of an airy-fairy concept? The idea, well, God's love lives in me and so I can hope in him. How can I know that hoping in Jesus won't disappoint me? won't disappoint us. And so in order to understand that, let's just take a little closer look at the word love in this context. Because love is a verb here, it's an active love. So to help God's love feel a bit more rooted, let's think about one aspect of God's active love, and that is that God keeps his promises. That's just one way that God loves us. He keeps his promises. He promised Abraham that he would become the father of many nations, and he did. He promised to send Jesus, and he has. And he promises to save you, and he will. He will. We can hope securely in Jesus because God's love is in us, and he is faithful to his word. I'd like to finish today by reading us a story and I'd be lying to you if, if, I, if I said that having children hasn't changed my life forever. It has simultaneously been the best and most rewarding thing and also the hardest and the most tiring thing in the world. And in our family, we're trying to help raise the kids as people that understand this hope, to become people of hope, to understand who Jesus is and why and how we can hope in him. And at New Wine in the summer of 2022, so year before last, which many of you will remember was a time of transition for us as a church, I went to New Wine hungry with some, lots of questions that I needed answers to. 
And it was during that conference that we picked up this book, okay? And it's called A Little Town Called Hope. And I think actually it's probably ministered more to me than it has to the children, <laughs> as any good book does. And so if you'd let me, I'd like to read it to you now. The pictures are gonna come on the screen, okay? A Little Town Called Hope. Have you, <clears throat> one minute. Have you ever heard of a little town called Hope? It's set upon a hillside up a gentle grassy slope. The characters who live there all have feelings of their own and can understand their purpose now they've called Hope their home. You can see this town day or night, its light never goes out. It holds a wealth of answers when your mind is filled with doubt. There is power in this town that everyone can hold, and the town of hopes become a home for people young and old. Anger, sadness, joy and fear are just some people who have made this town, this little town their home. Would you like to meet them too? Anger's fiery temper shoots out arrows from her heart, and if the bow is poorly aimed, breaks love and trust apart. But aim her anger at the hurt and wrong things that she sees, then she can break injustice and can set the captives free. So don't give in to anger, that can be a slippery slope, but good can come from anger when she takes her aim in hope. Sadness starts out as a ball that's curled up deep inside. Sometimes he comes out in our tears. Sometimes he likes to hide. But when he does decide to show, it draws its loved ones near, and they can see the beauty of his heart through every sob and tear. So when there's sadness in you, and there isn't always scope to describe your th the things you're feeling, you can find the words in hope. We all love joy, for joy is great. She brings us life and fun. We all want joy within our hearts when the day is done. But joy can also be a choice, even when we're blue. We can choose to find the best in things and count our blessings too. Now joy can often come and go like a tug of war with rope, but it will last forever if its roots are found in hope. Fear can be a good thing. He's here to keep you safe, but too much fear can hold you back and cause you to lose faith. Now if you were to listen, I'm sure you'd hear him say that fear itself is natural, but don't let it spoil your day. That's why he found a refuge, somewhere safe when he can't cope. And he climbed the hill and made his home in a little town called Hope. Now Hope is full of dreamers, their hearts secure and free. For this little town shows you who you were born to be. Hope won't disappoint us, it won't put us to shame. It's built on strong foundations and Jesus is his name. He built this town for you and me to live within our hearts so we can always wake in hope when every morning starts. Here, joy can be eternal. Anger has a name. Fear can feel at peace again. And sadness 
shares its pain. So why not pay a visit and climb that grassy slope? For everyone is welcome in the little town called Hope. Can I pray for us? And Tim will come and help us respond. Father, we thank you that at Christmas time we can celebrate that you sent your son, Jesus, your only beloved son, Jesus, to, die, to be born and to die for us on a cross. Lord, that we can be made clean and have your spirit live inside us. And Father, we thank you also that we can hope in you. We can trust in your promises. We can trust in your word because you've shown us before, you've been faithful before and you'll be faithful again. And so Lord, at this Christmas time, Lord, where we need to receive hope maybe for the first time, would you reveal yourself to us? And Lord, where there's something else in our hearts, where there's something else sitting on that throne in our hearts that's not from you, Lord Jesus, we pray that you would help us by your Holy Spirit to come and take your place again in our heart on that throne this Christmas, that we might be able to place our hope in you once more. And that, Father, even in the hardest times of our lives, we might be able to hold on to the hope that we have of eternity with you. We thank you, God. Amen.